Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, stand to your feet today. Amen. Yeah, yeah, God is good. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Verse 4 is where we will begin. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. Let's get all the house lights up, please, so we're all able to read. We have terrible sight in here. Amen. So many good things happen. Hey, real quick, next Sunday, look at your neighbor and say next Sunday. Next Sunday is what I was talking about, our 90-day challenge. I want you to be here. Um, I believe God is going to do some very, very special, creative, unique things with our church family of both campuses uh, next Sunday. And we're going to be having a special prayer that day, a a blessing over you. Um, I'm challenging you, all of our leaders. uh, There'll be more. I don't want to take the time now, but but please be here next Sunday. You won't want to miss it. Um, We're we're going to let God in the next 90 days through the end of the year, like I said, let's make the, the latter part of the year better than the first part of the year. Amen? And let's see what God can do with our lives in the next 90 days. And I'm excited about it. So be here next Sunday. It'll be talked about for a long time. If you're not here, you're going to be so sad that you missed out. So sad. And uh, so you'll want to be here. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. Say amen if you're there. And the reading of the God says, So all the elders of Israel, they gathered together, and they came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, You are old. How would you like someone to come to you and say, You are old? You could say, well, you're fat and ugly, but whatever. I mean, he didn't say that, but they said to him, you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. Basically, we want to be like everybody else. And, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all the people and what they're saying to you. It is not that they are rejecting you, they are rejecting me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, they have forsaken me and they've served other gods and just as they're doing now. So listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will call him as his rights, will claim as his rights. And, and verses 10 through 18 define of that. Basically, he was going to turn them into slaves. And so Samuel goes to the, uh, God tells Samuel, this is what you're to tell the people. Now jump to verse 19 with me. But when the people refused to listen to Samuel, they said, no. They said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the people in the other nations to lead a king to lead us out and go before us and fight our battles. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for today and I thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house. I thank you, Lord, that you can do in the next few moments what it would take us a lifetime to do. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just flip us and change us and rearrange us, Lord, for your glory. Lord, that we would not be preoccupied with this past week or our obligations that we have, Lord, outside of these four walls or outside of this moment. Lord, but we are spiritually in tune and we are spiritually obligated what to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. So we receive what you have. We thank you for the blessing that you're bringing into our lives today. Lord, that you're going to correct us because you love us and guide us into all truth, Lord. And we give you all the praise and glory. And everyone says, amen, so be it. One more time, just give the Lord a praise as you're seated in this house today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't forget, again, connect groups tonight. Um, Holly and I host one at our house. 
Many of our staff members do. We have them all over. They're in your bulletin, by the way, uh, the addresses and the contact information. So find a connect group. If you're not in a connect group, you've got to be. You've got to, got to, got to be in a connect group. It's a great way. It's a casual way, a great time to get a Bible study, meet someone in a different environment, get to know people a little bit more intimately within the church and who they are outside of the church and go hang out in someone's home. And, you know, you get to tear up someone else's house for an hour and, you know, uh, take your kids with you and, Say that jokingly, please don't come tear up my house, but my kids do an okay job of that. But really, be a part of a connect group. Uh, my parents host one here at the church, so we have them everywhere, all throughout Bell County. Harker Heights, Salado, Temple, Belton, I'm, I very well could be missing one. So we have them all over. Find one, be a part of one, and it's a great way to get to know people within the church. So today is a unique Sunday. Um, there is no way to tiptoe around it. I'm just going to have to come out with it and, you know, uh, I'm not coming out of the closet or anything like that. Um, at least not that closet. Um, there's no way to really tiptoe around, so I'm just going to kind of address it like I did this morning at the Colleen campus. Uh, today is something called, it's a national day. Many pastors, many thousands of pastors like myself are, are choosing to participate in. Uh, we are committing uh, with thousands of other pastors to talk about politics today. And, uh, but not politics like you would think. Today is Pulpit Freedom Sunday. Um, it is a Sunday where, again, pastors of many different denominations are joining together today, coming under one voice. We've all signed a petition. I have signed it as well. And what we're saying is that what separation of church, of church and state is, what it is today is not what it was originally intended to be when it was uh, originally written by Thomas Jefferson talking about our First Amendment and our religious rights. Our First Amendment says that, that Congress, that our government shall make no laws with the expectations that there would be a state church or prohibit the freedom exercise thereof, right? So basically, the government cannot say to us, this is a national religion, you must attend this church, you must serve this God, you must worship this God. If you don't, there's a penalty to pay. That's our First Amendment right, that we can come into any church that we want. We get to walk into this church. We get to worship God, amen, and freedom and liberty and enjoy comfort and, and enjoy one another. We don't have to worry about persecution or do it in secret and that our government isn't telling us what church we have to attend. This is our First Amendment. It's our, it's our right. Thomas Jefferson, just to give you a little American history, Thomas Jefferson, um, he was the first to actually introduce this idea. Now, for those that are familiar with American history, we, we know from American history that our settlers, our, our forefathers, if you will, they came to this nation because out of tyranny of a king in England. And out of the tyranny of a rule of a king in England, there was, no, there was taxation without representation. We know that. We know that uh, the people were being unfairly taxed, that the king could levy a tax because he wanted to. It could be, he could declare any kind of tax he wanted to and levy a tax. And so the people came, they, they rebelled, they, 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 the, the Revolutionary War, we know much about it, that they came and they settled here in the United States and our early colonies up in the Northeast. And, and so our, our early settlers, they came to America because of taxation. They came because of religious freedom. They lived under a king, King Henry, who, who oppressed the nation, who oppressed his, uh, uh, the, his kingdom that he ruled under. And there was, uh, there was a religion. There was one religion, and that was it. There was no freedom of religion. And so uh, many of them flew, be, uh, they, they came over because of uh, a religious persecution. 
And it's that which I want to talk about today. So Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers, it was, it was his idea. It was, he was the one who originally uh, came up with this idea. He is credited with this idea of separation of church and state. So that when the Constitution was written and the Declaration of Independence, our, our pieces of paper that govern our, our laws and rule our land, uh, and I, I thank God, and I don't shy away from this. It's, it's, it's historical fact that, that many of our, our, men, and, our men who served uh, in, in early Congress and, and that served uh, in, in the very first Congress and our presidents, uh, many early presidents were, were men of God. Amen? And that we truly are a nation under God. And... I'm going to say this today because I have committed to say this with other pastors, but because it's true. And, and I have to clear the air as, a, as, as the man of God, as a pastor. And that is this, number one, there's only one God. Amen? One God. And that God is not Muhammad. That God is not Buddha. That God is Jehovah. Amen? He is, yes, as Moses called him Elohim, the Hebrew word that Moses used to describe God. Elohim, that you are Jehovah. You are God alone. There is no one like you. No one can stand beside him. No one can compare to him. He is God all by himself. Amen? He's God. There is one son that he has, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? God has one. He doesn't have two sons. He doesn't have three sons. He has one son, Jesus Christ. And that son came to this earth and died for us. He went to a real cross. He died in a real grave. He died on a real cross, buried in a real grave, resurrected from a real grave in three days, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Yes, amen. Preparing a way for us. There is a third person in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in this room with us. He abides in our hearts. Jesus said that it's better that I go for you because what you're about to encounter early church when he was talking to the apostles in the book of Acts, he said, you're about to go through some persecution that you won't need me. You'll need the Holy Spirit. And he'll be a comforter to you. And he will guide you. Listen to me, church. He will guide you through, into all righteousness and through all truth. That's what Jesus said. He'll be a comforter. He will guide you into all righteousness and through all truth. The Holy Spirit is a guide. He is a compass. He tells us where to go. And if America needs anything today, we need a guide. We need a compass. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit back in our government. We need the Holy Spirit back in our churches. Amen? Where where we're not saying, Holy Spirit, make room for us. We're saying, we'll make room for you. Have you ever been lost before? Raise your hands. You ever been lost? It's okay. I know none of the men are going to raise their hands in here. That's okay. Whatever. I'll be man enough to say it. I've been lost. I know none of you admit it, but I will. I've been lost before. I shared this story at the Clean Campus. I want to take an opportunity to share it this morning here. And uh, when Holly and I, when we first got married, we, uh, we went to uh, Europe. We said we wanted, that was something that we wanted to do, and, and uh, we figured we'd better do it now before we have kids, and yada, 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 yada. All of that happens. You have kids. You know what happens afterwards. So um, you get fat and lazy and out of work. You know, okay, so that's what happened to us. So at any rate, um, 
So we went. We bought tickets. We flew over. We kind of backpacked. We just, we really didn't take a bunch of luggage with us because we wanted to be able to come and go as we please in any place. And so one of the things that we did, what's great about Europe is, um, is that uh, because the countries are much smaller, you can travel from, you know, you can go through three countries in a day just on a train. So we bought what's called a Europass on the Eurorail, the Eurotrain. And basically we flew into to Paris and we hopped on this train and we went to England under the tunnel, you know, under the river, the, the water. And then we, we, we came back to France and we went into Germany. We went to Heidelberg. Uh, my grandpa who's here today is a World War II veteran. He, uh, he was, he slept, the, he spent the night when they were, when they were advancing through Germany. Uh, he spent the night in this castle in Heidelberg. And while we were there, I wanted to go to this same castle and take pictures in the same place he was and just for family history and and so uh, we did that while we were there. And, and on our way to Heidelberg, we're going through Germany. And of course, as in any country, everything in, in Germany is written in German. And Heinz um, and you know, I mean, we didn't, we didn't uh, know how to speak German or read German. And because um, they're backward, backward C's with lines through them, you know, and all kinds of stuff. We didn't know how to read German. So we're on this train. And we're blazing through. It was a, you know, bullet train. And it's, you know, it's just flying through the countryside, and we'd go through some stops, and we're trying to figure out where we're supposed to get off at. We were unclear, and no one around us could really help us, and so we were just talking, you know what, the next stop, we need to get off here. This looks like a good place, and, and the windows were tinted, and it was getting dark outside, and, and we were concerned that we wouldn't make it to Heidelberg and, and check in at our hotel in time, and, you know, be walking around Germany in the dark, and, and so we got off. And we, I remember we stepped out onto this like 24 by 24 platform. And, and when we stepped off there, uh, we looked around and there were like two benches there and some cows over here. And we obviously came to a quick conclusion like this is not our stop. Well, before we could get back on the train, the doors began to shut and the train takes off. And I'm like, as it's going, I'm like banging on the side of it thinking they're going to stop. But they didn't. And it kept going. And we're stuck on this platform, out in, in, in Germany. I don't even know where we were. And I'm not making any of this up. And we were on this platform. We're in Germany somewhere. And I look this way, and I see train tracks. And I look this way, and I see train tracks. And, and uh, you know, it was before, before the cell phones like we have today. And, you know, they were so big, you couldn't take them with you anywhere. And uh, I could call my dad and say, you know, what do I do? And so we just had to figure it out on our own. And and uh, I looked again down the right, and there was a bridge. And I told Holly, I was like, well, if there's a bridge, there's a road. I don't know where that road goes, but I don't know what else to do. It's either that or wait till this train comes back whenever that comes by. So we decided we walked to this road, and, and we looked down, and we saw a little town, and we were able to get accommodations there for the night. But I remember being with my bride, my newlywed wife, not wanting her to know that I didn't know what to do, you know, that I've got this under control, you know, I... I got this, honey. Don't even worry about it. You know, we're, gonna, we're just going to walk, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and just trust me. I know what we're doing. And so we did. We, and we, we got lucky and we found someone who could uh, help us and, and was kind to us. And an angel, we believe, God sent our way. And, and we stayed the night and was able to get back on our way. But the feeling of being lost is, depending on where you are, it can be scary. And, and it's not just location-wise. Geography, you know, being lost uh, just in a, a, you know, a geographic region. But sometimes it's being emotionally lost. You know, there are things that happen to us sometimes 
and, and we're lost emotionally. We don't even know how to feel. What am I supposed to do in this moment? What, am I supposed to cry? Am I supposed to be angry? Am I, how do I feel in this, in this moment? I think back on September 11th, what happened to our, to our nation that day. I mean, we were here in Belton, Texas, and I was in, many of you probably remember where you are, 2001, September 11th, and I remember I was getting ready for work that morning, and, and I just changed our daughter's diaper because she, she was born just that year, and, and uh, I remember seeing and watching it on the news like many of you, and, and when you learned that it was a terrorist attack, you know, you, you, you had conflicting emotions that day, didn't we, as Americans, right? I mean, we, we felt sadness for what happened to our fellow Americans, and, but yet there was, a, there was an, an anger, there was a, you know, there, there was something that our, our country had been attacked, and previous generations had seen this on the day of Pearl Harbor on December 4th, 1947. They had seen that. But not us. And so that was our Pearl Harbor of our generation. And we watched that and we were, we were conflicted about how to feel. We were, we were lost emotionally. We, we can be lost geography, you know, in a geographic region. We can be lost emotionally. We, beca- we can become lost socially. We see this in our teenagers today who struggle socially to fit in and find their way to, to fit in. And who am I supposed to be? And, and, and thank God we have a youth pastor and a kids pastor who act as a compass for our, our young people. Amen. That can say this is who you're to be. Yes, amen. Thank God that we have godly men and women, our, our, our couples that serve in those ministries or that will teach the truth and tell them that, that God has big things for them. Amen. That you don't have to live like everyone else. That you can be set apart. Amen? And still be cool. But it's still okay not to have sex before marriage. That's still a very cool thing. At any rate, we'll keep rolling beyond that. What I'm getting to, church, is when I, when I, think, about, when I think about America, where we are today, the, unfortunately, the word that I find to describe where we are today is lost. When I think about our nation and I think about our country I feel like we're lost. I mean, if, you, if we glance back, America is not that old. 270-something years old. We're, we're not that old. When, when you think about civilization, civilizations that have lived before us and monarchies and, 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 and cultures that have come before us, many of them were thousands of years old. And America is still yet a young country, but... In such a quick time, we've gotten away from the center. We've, we've veered off. I feel like we're lost. I feel like our country is lost. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm living sometimes in a foreign land. I don't know if you share those feelings with me, but I feel like, man, the, I, I'm 36 years old. I, I'm not that old yet. And my brother's older than me, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throw that out there, yeah. But to think just 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, where we were and where we are today, and it, and it seems like we, we're lost. And I think a, a commonality that we all share is, is that, I, I said this a few weeks ago when we talked, when we spoke about uh, our series, You're a Problem, when we talked about anger and how we're so easily offended, we see that, don't we, in America? We see that everyone's so offended about everything. We, it just, you know, it, our, some, everybody's feathers are ruffled about something. Have you seen this on the news? I don't know what high school it's at or even what school district it is. I saw it quickly on, on, a, on an Internet news thing, but there, are, there is a group of cheerleaders that have 
uh, scriptures on the uh, banners that the, the football players are running through. And the ACLU is coming in and saying, hey, you can't do that. You can't put, that's, that's their separation of church and state. You can't do that. And um, I applaud them for standing up for their rights. I, I say, absolutely. If the school district doesn't mind you doing it, then that's your decision to make. Put the scripture up. And um, I applaud them for standing up for themselves. I mean, thank God we have some people that have some backbone that will stand up for what they believe in. I mean, we should support them. Praise God. And I feel like our country is lost. And, and so today, when we, when we talk about this, I want you to hear my heart. And I say that all the time. If you attend this church on a regular basis, you know I say that repetitively. Probably you're sick of me saying it. Because what I don't want you to do is get caught up in semantics today and you, and you hear my vocabulary, but you don't hear my heart. So today, you can take a deep breath. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But what I am going to do is I'm going to tell you what we believe at Crossroads Church. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says concerning the affairs of this election. And then I'm going to leave it up to you to decide with what you do with that information. Number one, we stand against abortion. We don't believe in abortion, amen? Now, I want to throw this out there because I know there are many arguments for it. We serve a, or excuse me, we, we support a missionary still to this day who uh, works with fire Bibles. We, were, we just had a fundraiser for fire Bibles. Puts $10, puts a Bible in the hands of believers in closed off countries and pastors' hands, people who have never touched a Bible before in their life. My father and I were very passionate about that because we want young pastors, we want pastors who are these men and women who are getting saved in these countries that have never went to Bible school. We can put a, a Pentecostal Bible in their hand, amen, for $10. So, one of the missionaries that really helped spearhead this organization that we, we support today, uh, before he was working with Fire Bibles about 25 years ago, uh, him and his wife were missionaries in the Philippines. Their daughters, one of their daughters was here in America, going to a college here in America on a campus, and she was, she was raped. And she became pregnant because of that rape. So they obviously came home to be with their daughter. They, they left the mission field to come home and be with her. And she ended up having that baby and giving it up for adoption. And I say that only because of the argument that exists there. And I know there's many other things, but I'm telling you, we believe in the sanctity of human life. And where are we as a country when we, will, when we have states that will hand condoms to our children? Come on, church. Does, does that not alarm you? Does that not give you any righteous anger? Or do we sit back in our barker loungers and our recliners and we say, well, that's a terrible thing. God forbid. But yet we don't do anything about it. And I'm telling you what, we as a church of Jesus Christ, we need to stand up more for what's biblical, what is right, what is the truth. What does God's word have to say? Amen? And we say that life is important and it matters to God. That God is the author of life and the finisher of life. We don't agree with gay marriage. We believe that marriage is between Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Between a man and a woman. But hear my heart. We will love the homosexual. Yes, we will show them the way to the cross. We will take them right up to the cross. And give them the opportunity. 
But as I, as a pastor, will never participate in that kind of marriage. You can have my papers. You can do whatever you want. God's the one that ordains me anyways, not man. Are you with me, church? We believe, we believe in the, the sanctity of the family. Come on, church, think about the fabric of America. Isn't it the family that holds things together? God has two institutions that he created, the family and the church. There were two, if you will, institutions only created. It was the, the family was first, Adam and Eve. He brought a man. He created him. Out of that man, he fashioned a woman. They had children. The family is important to America. The family has become a joke. The devil's laughing at us. The church's divorce rate is the same as the divorce rate in the world. We're not making a difference. We look just like them. And the last thing, the last time I checked in God's word, he has called us as believers to be set apart. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. We're to be different. We're not like to be them. And it's not like we stand in an ivory tower. We say, oh, we're, we're saved. We're better than you. Absolutely, by no means. I stand at the pulpit today and say, I am just like you. The difference is I have been saved by grace. And I realize now that I needed Jesus Christ to come into my life desperately and change who I am. Friend, I still have some issues. I am still messed up in a lot of ways. The difference is that I now have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Let me introduce him to you. Are you with me today, church? Say amen. We're obviously in election year, November the 6th. We're, we're fast approaching that date, 30-something days out. Last week, we've done it at the Killeen campus. We've asked our church, I hope you have your alarms going off at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name, listen to what he says, my people by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will respond. But only if my people, and who are called by my name, will humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Church, he's talking to the righteous, is who he was talking to. That wasn't written to a group of pagans who didn't know God. That, that, was, that part, portion of scripture was written to a group of believers. God-fearing people. And when we read here in 1 Samuel, when, when we read that, put that scripture back on the screen, please. Go to, a, go to verse 4. Thank you. So all the elders of Israel, they gathered together and they said, you're old, your sons aren't like us. Give us, verse 6, give us a king to lead us. We want to be like everyone else. And, and what's happened is America is we've wanted to blend in with everyone else. We want to be like everyone else, but, but I believe that God wants his church to be called and set apart. Amen? That, that the world can look at us and say, you know what? There is hope for my marriage. There's hope for my life. There is still hope for America. America is not lost. America is not drowning. That there is still hope for us. And I believe that hope is Jesus Christ. Amen? How many know that there's still room at the cross? And no matter what happens on November the 6th, let me tell you something, church. No matter who's reelected or elected, God is not up for re-election. He is not being voted on. He is still the King. He is still the Lord of Lords. He is still the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is still the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valleys, and the Bright and Morning Star. He remains King no matter who is President. 
No matter what men may do, they cannot push God or persuade him or counsel him off of his throne. He remains God in control. And we as the church of Jesus Christ, we can rejoice in God no matter what happens. I am still held in your hands. You still got my back. You will still lead me into all truth and still protect me and still guide me no matter what man may do. God is in control, church. Come on, somebody. Let me say it again. God is in control. He's not voted on on November 6th. He's not up for election. He doesn't care if we vote on him or not. He is God all by himself. He was God before there was anyone else to tell him he was God. He is God eternal. And that gives me some satisfaction. So I'm asking you to do some, something. I'm, I'm asking you to take some action this morning. In a minute, there will be some real action. But number one is to pray. M- many of us have smartphones now. We can pray. Set your alarm. Do whatever you got to do. 7.14 a.m., 7.15 p.m. It goes off. Holly and I were actually at friends with, uh, a dinner at friends with last night, uh, a dinner with some friends last night, and our phones went off at the exact same time. We kind of, we laughed. It's like, okay, we need to pray. And just right where we were, we just, we just prayed. You don't, you don't have to get up and <clears throat> at work if you're at work and <clears throat> clear your throat and says, Thus saith the Lord today, <laughs> O oh, my people that are scattered before me. You don't, you don't have to do that. Right at your cubicle or right where you're at. The great thing about the believer in here, us as a Pentecostal church, we get to pray in the Spirit. You know, when you don't know what to pray or how to pray, you could just start praying in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can pray for you. He can lead you into real prayer. But you can just pray and say, God, you know what? I pray for this nation. Lord, we, we desperately, desperately, desperately need you. You know how much we need you better, more than we do. You're aware of our need for you and our desire to, to be with you. you. You know that we need you. And you just begin to pray and say, God, guide us. Help us. Help our government. Help our leaders, God. The Bible says, Jesus told his disciples that the sheep know the voice of their shepherd and they follow only his voice. So God, I pray today that those in Washington would hear your voice and follow your voice only. God, give us people who will listen to the voice of God. Now, both candidates, unfortunately, when it comes to the God that we serve, they both have, I think, different gods. But... When it comes to our moral values and our moral compass, I think church, our choice is very clear of, of who you should vote for. I really do. I think when it comes to those, those social issues of abortion or gay marriage or the separation of church and state, those kind of things, I think it's pretty clear of where the church of Jesus Christ, a spirit-filled believer, should stand. Now, let me backtrack real quick because it's very important. The separation of church and state, again, Thomas Jefferson introduced this idea. And the devil can't create. He only perverts, as we all know. And so originally, the, the, the idea of separation of church and state was that when they came from England, they didn't want to be without taxation, without representation. They didn't want to be under religious persecution and tyranny. They wanted freedom. They wanted, we, we want, they wanted to be in a place where we could choose freely to, to worship whoever we wanted to and wherever we wanted to. And so they put these provisions within the Constitution. Now, it doesn't actually say in the, Constitu- 
institution anywhere, you know, that there's separation of church and state, those physical terms. But our First Amendment defines those things. But as only the devil can do, because when I think about our forefathers, and, and if you think about this back in the 1700s, how they were clever enough without telephones and internet and, and you know, uh, books just at their disposal to, to write out our, our Constitution and write out our Declaration. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. How could God not have been involved in that? And when it talks about our creator and one nation under God, we're, we're, we're endowed with inalienable rights by our creator and, and all of those things. How could, how could someone read that and know that Elohim, God, Jehovah, was not involved in that? It's, it's unexcusable. Did you know that in our original capital in Washington, that when it was built, that there were churches that actually met on Sundays in our nation's capital? There, there, were, there were actually three different denominations for a period of time that met in different areas. One in the Rotunda, one in the East Wing, one in the West Wing. And, and, and even the presidents themselves and Congress would attend these church services. And so when I look at America and the foundation of America and how God used men with creative minds and their talent to write the, our, our bylaws, and our constitution, our declaration, and how wonderful and beautiful they are. And as we, we talk about how we've become lost and we've, we've drifted from center, and to think somehow that the idea of separation of church and state, what it was originally tended to be, and what it is called today. Because taking God out of schools has really worked for us, hasn't it? Boy, that is just one of the best things we ever made, did as a nation. Well, what about taking God out of government and, and, and the Ten Commandments out of out of the courtrooms. Oh, those, those things are really working out well for us, aren't they? You know, our kids are so much better off because we can't pray in school anymore. I'm clearly being sarcastic here. But do you hear my heart, church? The, the real idea of separation of church and state is not what it is today. But over time, originally in, the ni- in 1947, the very first lawsuit that spurred many more to come, and, and as we know it today, and Eventually, we move God out of here, and, and eventually, we move God out of here. And I don't know about you, but I believe God is kind of like us. If we're eventually told that we don't want to be anywhere, and we're running out of places to be, and it's sad that even churches are pushing God out, let's be, let's be real. I mean, I'm tired of this Walmart Christianity. I, I know this is a soapbox, but i got to tell you this. I'm tired of pastors telling you that you, you can... You can just be yourself and still get to heaven. And, and I'm sorry, but God's word doesn't tell you that you can be yourself and still get to heaven. There is one way to heaven. And, and we're seeker sensitive. We don't want to tell anyone that, hey, you're, you're in sin. And if you live that way, you're going to go to hell. I'm sorry. I'm not your judge. Don't kill the messenger. But, but the truth, I, I believe our nation is hungry for the truth. I do. I believe people are desperate for a compass, a moral compass. And I believe it's the church of Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do? Number one, I'm asking you to pray. If you're not praying, you need to get saved. You need to be praying. We as Christians, we, as believers, we need to pray. Let's pray for our nation. You know what? Let's pray for our leaders that are in office now. I know that may be hard to do for some of us, but let's pray for them. They're God's children as well. He loves them as much as he loves us. We may not see eye to eye on issues, but that doesn't mean that they're out of reach from the Father. So, Lord, I pray currently for who's in office.
not just our president, but everybody around him, our, our, our congressmen and our senators and at state and local and, and national levels. God, we pray for them. When your alarm goes off in the AM and PM 714, just say a quick prayer. God, we ask that, Holy Spirit, you, you would invade the White House, invade our churches, invade our nation. And what I mean is, like, come in and take over. And we, we ask you to come and help us and guide us. Just, just pray, God, let us have, give them wisdom, godly wisdom. Let him hear from you from a divine voice, a divine voice from you, God. Not follow the ways of popular opinion or popular man or, or doing what it's right to get reelected or to get elected, but God, that they would hear from you. I'm asking you to pray. The other thing I'm asking you to do is I want you to write this down. Everyone pull out a pen, pull out paper, use your phone, whatever you got to do. November the 3rd, three days before the election, on November the 3rd, our church, I've already told the Killeen campus we had 100% involvement. I believe today we're going to have 100% involvement here as well. On November the 3rd at 8 a.m., that Saturday morning, I'm asking you to join me along with my dad and all of our staff, our elders and our deacons and those already from the Clean campus, to join me at this campus, 8 a.m., November the 3rd, out by our flagpole. We're going to raise the flag. We're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. We're going to pray that day. Ralph Sheffield, one of our state representatives, will be here that day to, to show his support for our cause and what we're doing. After we've prayed, I'm going to carry a cross, and I'm asking all that will walk with me, we're going to walk from our church campus, our parking lot, to the state capitol that Saturday. It's 60 miles, it's 100 kilometers. Now before you're asking questions, don't get ahead of me, let me explain this. And we're going to have, we're going to have one of our vans that's going to have an American flag on and a POW flag, and uh, we've gotten approval from TxDOT to do this. We have the east capitals of the state uh, of our, our, our the state capital in Austin Reserve and the east campus reserved. We're going to end that day with the rally. So number three, I'm asking you, so number one, I'm asking you to pray. Whatever you do, I'm asking you to pray. Number two, I'm asking you to join me here Saturday, November the 3rd at 8 a.m. to come, drive your car here, to come here and be here for that morning, for that kickoff that morning. I said Representative Ralph Sheffield will be here uh, and we're going to pray together, and, we're, and then I'm going to begin walking. And those that want to walk with me, are, you're welcome just to join me. And we're going to, I'm going to start walking. And, and then that same Saturday, November the 3rd, at 4 o'clock, everyone say 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock that Saturday, uh, we have a reserve from 3 to 5. At 4 o'clock, we're going to meet there. If you get there early, you can just wait for the rest of us to get there if you choose to drive down there. But... For those that are walking or running or biking, we're going to be there at November the 3rd at 4 p.m. And we're going to meet at the East Capitals where we will be presented with the flag that was flown over the Capitol that day. The state legislature has written in for us a declaration what our church is doing that day. And we are going to read the Declaration of Independence and we're going to pray. We're going to have a prayer rally. And this will be covered. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. So, let me jump ahead of you because I know some of you, the wheels are already turning. You're saying, Pastor Matt, you cannot walk 60 miles in one day. And I'm going to say, you're right. You and my wife are right. But guess what? I only need 60 people to walk one mile to get 60 miles. And, And I believe that we have enough people in here that believe in the word of God, that still believe in this nation, 
that still believe that God has providence over America. I believe that there is a church and there are people sitting in these pews today that are as passionate about this country and as passionate about God and his saving grace for this nation as I am. Amen? And what I'm asking you to do, I'm asking you to join me. Let's put our, our words into action. I told the clean church this morning, and I want to say it here. I tell God all the time, God, while I'm alive and while I'm breathing, I want to do something that matters. Amen? I want to do something that matters while I'm here. And this wasn't my idea. It was one of our elders in our church. It was Alan's idea, and, and he was, we were just talking about the election coming up and how important it is. And let me, let me just say this too, church. Why you, can I, let me, this, I didn't say this earlier, I failed to. 50% of evangelical Christians did not vote in 2008. Let me say that again, just because it, it may have blown over you. Half, half of all evangelical Christians within the United States did not vote in this last election in 2008. And that concerns me, that 50% uh, those evangelical church Christians did not get out and vote. Now, if you're here today and, and you were one of them, I'm not, just take it with a grain of salt. But it is our right and it's our, it is a right. It's a privilege. Let's not forget that. Voting is a privilege. But I also believe it's, it's something that we are to do. We're to let our voice be heard. So rather, and, and not just getting out and voting on November the 6th, take time during your lunch hour, get out and vote. We have registration cards here. Get out and vote. Go vote with your family. Make it a family affair, whatever. But go vote. You don't get to complain if you don't vote. Okay? I mean, so get out and vote. But join me November the 3rd. Three things. Pray. Commit to praying. Say, Pastor Matt, I will pray with you. I will agree with you. 7.14 and 7.14 a.m. and p.m. From here out through the election, I'll commit to pray twice a day, for this election for our nation. Number two, commit to being here Saturday, November the 3rd at 8 a.m. and also joining me at the Capitol Saturday, November the 3rd at 4 p.m. for our, our closing rally as we pray together on the state Capitol. We've, we've been told through our communication with the governor's office, it's even possible that he'll be there with us that day as well. This is just our church involved in this. There's anybody's welcome to walk with us, but because of our timeline, we're, we're just organizing this here. Let me tell you, Crossroads family, that everything's taken care of. We've already got this organized. We've been planning this for weeks. This hasn't been something that's just worked on yesterday. We've been meeting and planning to make this happen. There's been many phone calls. There's been many meetings to make all of this happen. And uh, I'm excited, and I want you to be excited. So what I'm going to ask you to do today, Pastor Kendall can join me up here, and we're going to close a little different today. Um, before you, on, on the steps up here, on the altar up here, are some blue forms, and, and there's pins up here. And we're going to have t-shirts for everybody, kids and all that participate that day. We have the route already marked. Like I said, we have approval from TxDOT to do this. Um, we've got it all figured out. When you sign up, we, we will take care of where, where we would like, what section of the road and mile marker we would like for you to walk. You can ride your bike. I know we have some bike riders in here, you know. Um, you can ride your bike. That's what a bike looks like when you ride it. Um, and if you've ever ridden a bike, you know that. Um, you can ride your bike. You can run. We've already had some people that have caught wind of this. They pass them. I want to run. Man, get out and run. Run, run forest, run, you know. I mean, um, you could run. You can walk. And the great thing about it is that we can do it with our church family. Amen. How cool is that? We can be out on the road. Yeah. And we can be walking 
and talking, getting to know one another, praying as we're walking. Um, and we've got a bunch of guys that want to ride their motorcycles and help escort us the whole way down. And, and uh, it's going to be really, really great. So I'm asking you to conclude today with this. Number one is, uh, this logo, by the way, will be on all of our t-shirts. For everyone that participates, you'll get a t-shirt free. This is called the Capital 100 because it's 100 kilometers between him and there, between here and there. And so, uh, or 60 miles. So we want you to uh, do that with us. And um, so on here, this one is, this one stays here. Everyone stay, say stay here. This blue form, after you fill it out, you need to leave it here. Because we want to know who is committed to walk, run, or bike. Okay? Th- these are the people that are saying, I'm, I'm committing. And also, you can commit to pray on here. We want to know everyone that's committing to do this on some level. I'll pray. I'll walk. I'll run. I'll ride my bike a mile, a half a mile, a quarter of a mile, whatever it is. Um, by the way, if your kids want to participate in this, our kids are going to be participating. Just write their names as well along with their T-shirt sizes on here. The other form is up here. And I'll set this down here. And this form is a participant form. This one is, uh, is going to be saying, not only will I walk or run, but I'm going to go out and get sponsors, businesses, to help sp- sponsor me for, for every mile I walk or run or bike. All the money that is raised comes back into our church for a capital campaign fund, for a, for a building project fund. Now, what I've been telling local businesses, because I already have some right here in Belton signed up, What I've been telling them is, I say, do you want your community to be better? Of course I do. Do you want to see our our students learn responsibility and and, and how to behave correctly and properly within society? Yes. Do you want want your city to be better? Yes. Okay. Our church is doing that. Our church is helping all those things you're doing. People don't realize how far our reach is within this city. Seriously. Many of our church members, you, you, you just, for, for you to imagine how many people we touch on a weekly basis in this city. We meet many people through Helping Hands, Body of Christ Community Clinic, local missions. We touch a lot of lives in this city. We believe God has put us here to make this city great and our county great. So this one is, you're going to get people to help, you spon- help sponsor you per mile you walk or run or bike. And you can determine that what that is, and, and they'll determine what that amount is. So this one you'll take with you. All the checks, all the money is made to Crossroads Church. That's um, a tax donation for those that give. Um, but this, this goes with you, right? Red goes with you. Blue stays here. So what I'm asking you to do is, I'm going to just do this real quick. So we have some on each side. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're saying here... Today, he said, Pastor Matt, I'm going to support you, the elders and the deacons of the church. I'm going to support your vision. I want you to stand up, and I want you to come to the front, and I want you to grab one of these. And if you could stay here, your purse will be fine. We have security here. Come and grab one. If you come with your family, that's awesome. Because I want to pray over you. Some of my elders and deacons in here, if you could help make sure everybody gets one. Stay with me right up here if you can. I want to pray over you before we go. You're welcome to grab one for all the family if you like. Yeah. 
Um, if you can do one per family, that's great. But if you need more, you can. The red's over here, the sponsorship form. Yeah, you can leave them at the altar, the blue forms. Let me pray, church family, real quick, just right where you're at. Settle the house just for a second. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the response, God, in this house. Lord, you know our heart is to please you and to bring honor and glory to you. It's not about man. It's not about popular opinion. It's about glorifying the name above every name, Jesus. We're saying collectively and corporately today that we're going to stand together. We're going to stand for what's right and what's just. And we're going to let our voice be heard. Lord, not just on November the 6th, but also on November the 3rd. Lord, that we believe that there's still hope for this nation. God, that you can still bless us and heal our land, God. Be with us this day. Go before our people, God. We thank you for good things and big things in your name. Amen. Don't forget, Connect Group tonight, 5 o'clock, all over Bell County. Wednesday night, all of our Bible studies. Uh, find one to be a part of. If you want prayer today, we're still here to pray with you. And uh, we want to we stay and pray with you. So we have our prayer partners up front. We love each and every one of you. Be blessed in Jesus' name.